This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singapore stocks opened in the red on Tuesday, January 3rd, with banks and index counters recording losses in the first trading session of the year. Advanced estimates from Singapore's trade ministry in the morning showed the economy expanded 3.8% in 2022, slightly better than the official forecast in November last year. However, gross domestic products for Q4 2022 came in at 2.2%, slower than the 4.2% recorded in Q3 2022. At the midweek, Singapore shares were down, following Wall Street's losses the day before. The SDI shed 0.1% to 3,241.8 points at the open. The market-focused team would like to acknowledge the passing of Sim Wong Hu on Wednesday, January 4th. The founding chairman and chief executive of Creative Technologies, we tip our hat to his vision, leading Creative Technologies to become the first Singaporean company to list shares on the NASDAQ in 1991. On Thursday, Singapore stocks recorded their first day of gains in the new year amid a rally across regional markets. The SDI climbed 1.6% to 3,292.66 points at the open. It's Friday, January 6th. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm podcast editor Clarissa Montero. Singapore shares opened lower today, again tracking overnight declines on Wall Street as investors await an upcoming U.S. government jobs report for December. The SDI fell 0.3% to 3,282.3 points at the open. Here's Jeff Howie, market strategist at SGX Securities, wrapping the first trading week of the year and giving us an overview to Malon. The overarching mega themes driving market sentiment going into this year included slowing global growth and trade as well as persistent inflation. The first trading week of the year has already brought some fresh developments and perspectives, particularly for the globe's three largest economies of the United States, China and Japan. Firstly on the inflation front, the 14th of December FOMC minutes were released Wednesday night. They revealed an emphasis of quote, it would be important to clearly communicate that a slowing in the pace of rate increases was not an indication of any weakening of the committee's resolve to achieve its price stability goal or a judgment that inflation was already on a persistent downward path, end quote. So the overall tone of that very important page nine of the 12-page minutes saw the CME FedWatch tool increase odds for the Fed funds rate to have its peak rate at a higher band of 5% to 5.25%, with May or June the most likely months for that higher band to take effect. Now, that marginal hawkish inference, it was not enough, though, to provide any upside to the 10-year US Treasury note yields. However, it did see the trio of DBS, UOB and OCBC join that broad-based Asia rally that we saw on the first day trading session. Now, for our banks, net interest income made up 65% of the trio's total income for the first nine months of last year. And that is driven by net interest margins and, of course, the overall loan book size. The net interest margins, in turn, have been largely determined by the average rate paid on the liabilities versus the average rate received on the assets of the banks. The increase in both the US dollar rates and SORA have seen DBS's net interest margin increase from 1.43% in the third quarter of 2021 
up to 1.90% in the third quarter of 2022. And in November, the CEO of DBS did estimate that DBS's net interest margin would be expected to reach around 2.25% by mid-2023, assuming the Fed funds rate peaks at 4.75%. With rising interest rates to curb inflation a key theme of 2022, last year we saw the trio of banks alone make up one quarter of the day-to-day trading turnover of the Singapore stock market, and that was up from one-fifth back in 2021. At the same time, the last two years have seen the trio of DBS, OCBC and UOB book more than 1.8 billion Singapore dollars of net fund inflows. The trio of banks also make up more than 40% of the STI, with the average 1.7% price gains on Thursday pretty much driving the STI's 1.5% gain on the Thursday session. This means that just the initial three sessions of January alone have seen a similar-sized STI trading range to what was observed throughout the entire month of December. Those three sessions also saw Singapore stocks book $30 Singapore dollars of net fund inflows. The broader midweek rallies across the board pretty much were largely China-based on the outlook for growth-friendly policy developments. Firstly, China is keeping to its scheduled reopening of its borders to international travellers on Sunday. For context, back in 2019, The Economist magazine observed that Chinese travellers racked up nearly 150 million trips abroad in 2018, and pre-COVID, one in five tourists to Singapore did come from China. Secondly, as reported by the China Daily, China regulators have approved tech heavyweight Alibaba's financial arm Ant Group to raise 10.5 billion yuan, or around 1.5 billion US dollars, for its consumer finance unit, marking a significant step forward for the revamp of the financial technologies company's lucrative consumer loan business. The China state media quoted a senior analyst with a consulting firm analysis on the development, stating, The authority has sent a clear signal to support the development of platform companies and Ant's latest move is expected to inject vitality into the consumer finance industry, end quote. Thirdly, China Daily also reported on Tuesday, China's new foreign minister, Qin Yang, pledged to continue to care about and support the growth of China-US relations. Qin was named China's foreign minister on the 30th of December after he served as China's ambassador to the United States for about 17 months. In a phone call on the 1st of January with US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, Qin recalled a number of candid, in-depth and constructive meetings with Secretary Blinken and did express his hope to continue close working relations with Blinken for a better China-US relationship. Meanwhile, in Japan, Bank of Japan Governor flagged some assurance to Japan's broader economy on Wednesday, signalling that the Bank of Japan is continuing its accommodative monetary policy. Since the surprise widening of the 10-year JGB ban in December, the dollar-yen had declined from near 137 to around 131 levels and then back to above 132 on Thursday. This had seen the Nikkei 225 index decline from around above 27,000 to below 2,600 on Wednesday. And finally, with regard to the outlook for global trade, this week, Allianz Trade estimated that global trade in goods and services 
would grow by only seven tenths of a percent this year in volume terms and would contract by 1.3% in value terms. The report added that a mild recovery should be possible in 2024, with global trading goods and services growing by 3.6% in volume terms, which will follow on from the normalisation of supply chains due to slowing demand and China's reopening. Young Jun Wan, journalist from the Business Times newsroom, shares his take of the week's drivers. For the five trading days ended Thursday, regional markets were mixed. The Straits Times Index gained 0.8%, while Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index rose 5.8%. Japan's Nikkei 225 shed 2.4%, while South Korea's Kospi fell 0.7%. On Tuesday, investor sentiment may have been dampened somewhat by GDP figures that showed Singapore's economy slowing significantly. Advanced estimates from the Ministry of Trade and Industry showed GDP in the fourth quarter gaining 2.2% year-on-year and 0.2% quarter-on-quarter, both of which were largely in line with private sector economists' expectations. In particular, the manufacturing sector posted a contraction of 3% year-on-year in the fourth quarter. It is the first contraction the sector has seen since the second quarter of 2020, when circuit breaker measures were implemented to curb the spread of COVID-19. The worst is not over yet either. Oxford Economics senior Asia economist Alex Holmes expects more weakness ahead for the export-oriented sector. He said timely trade data show a sharp drop in exports, and there is scope for further falls, with major export partners likely to slip into mild recession in early 2023. IG market analyst Yap Jin Rong expects investors to continue paying close attention to when growth bottoms out in 2023 as pressure on global trade activities persists in the first quarter. He also noted that European investors turned more bullish after they observed lesser contraction in factory output. On Wednesday, more bad news came out of the manufacturing sector. The Purchasing Managers Index dipped 0.1% to 49.7 in December, the fourth consecutive month that there has been a contraction in overall factory activity. Across the region, sentiment may also have been hurt by news of the Bank of Japan's fourth day of unscheduled bond buying on Wednesday. The central bank did so to curb rising bond yields after it widened the trading band of the 10-year bond yield to 50 basis points of its 0% target, up from 25 basis points previously. SPI Asset Management Managing Partner Stephen Innes noted that regional markets have thrown up divergent performances. He believes that the Hang Seng Index has been more bullish as investors see signs of easing regulatory risk. Last Friday, Alibaba Affiliate and Group received approval from the China Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission to increase its registered capital to 18.5 billion yuan from 8 billion yuan. On Thursday, regional markets gained as minutes from the Federal Reserve's last meeting showed officials agreeing to slow the pace of rate hikes even as they remain focused on fighting inflation. Still to come, macroeconomic and company-focused news and drivers.
The Business Times' future of finance is focused on the digital economy. Citibank Singapore believes it has a head start, having embarked on the digital journey long before the pandemic sparked a massive mindset and behavioral shift. You know, we're not actually launching our apps and improving the service and adding new features to entice customers to come. We're actually recognizing that they're already there and giving them what they're demanding. The Business Times Future of Finance podcast, episode 5 out on Thursday, January 12th. We'll be speaking with Brendan Carney, CEO, Citibank Singapore. We'll explore the wealth management space and how it is also benefiting from technology. We look forward to sharing more information with you about digitalization and transformation in the financial sector on the Business Times Future of Finance. Check in on January 12th for the latest episode. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Jeff, at the end of the first trading week of 2023, give us an overview of notable news to take into the week ahead. Based on advanced fourth quarter of 2022 estimates, Singapore's GDP rose 3.8% year-on-year in 2022. That was exactly half the growth rate of 2021. Growth in the services sector was observed to help offset a sluggish performance in the manufacturing sector. Economists do expect more weakness ahead for the export-orientated manufacturing sector, with MTI estimating the local economy will grow by half a percent to two and a half percent in 2023, a pace that is below trend and in line with the decelerating global growth and trade outlook. Now, as much as 60% of Singapore's economy is four key sectors, manufacturing, wholesale trade, finance and insurance, and information and communications. Just as those four segments were positively impacted by the 2021 global rebound, they would be expected to be impacted by further 2023 global growth moderation. And four of the most resilient segments of the Singapore economy going into 2023, construction, F&B services, real estate and retail trade, they, on the other hand, comprise less than 10% of GDP. Singapore's SIPMM Purchasing Managers Index declined by 0.1 points, back to 49.7 in December, after ticking up 0.1 to 49.8 back in November. This marks the fourth consecutive month of contraction in overall manufacturing activity after the PMI expanded for some 26 straight months between July 2020 and August 2022. SIPMM's VP Sophia Poe noted that the slowing electronics demand and the escalating cost pressure were weighing down on the overall manufacturing sector with global uncertainties from geopolitical developments as well as the macroeconomic risks of high inflation and volatile energy prices continuing unabated into the new year. Last year, the IEDGE SGX Advanced Manufacturing Index, which comprises some 100 stocks across all key manufacturing clusters, declined 6.7% in total return, reducing the total return for this index since the end of 2019 to 18.18%. Singapore's total retail sales rose 6.2% year-on-year in November, bringing the 11-month year-on-year growth of retail sales to 10.8%. Month-on-month, Retail sales contracted 3.7% in November, with eight of the 14 main segments recording decreases from October, led by computer and telecommunications equipment declining 19.5% month on month. Looking ahead, inflation's impact on spending behaviour 
remains the key downside risk, while the fruits from China's reopening remain the key upside risk. For 2022 as a whole, both Shengxiong Group and the Hourglass did rank among the 20 stocks in Singapore that did book the highest net fund inflows for the year, and as did Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust, which reported just over 60% of its 2021 net property income to retail assets. Also of note, the Urban Redevelopment Authority's private residential prices flash estimate for the final quarter of last year did show that the pace of price increases slowed to two-tenths of a percent quarter-on-quarter in the fourth quarter of last year from 3.8% quarter-on-quarter growth back in the third quarter of last year. Overall, 2022 prices were up 8.4% versus 10.6% in 2021. Jeff, the SDI spent most of the week in the red until Thursday's opening, highlights some company news to consider. Comba Telecom, which is primarily listed on the Hong Kong Exchange, successfully listed on the SGX main board on Thursday through a secondary listing. The firm believes this listing will broaden its shareholder base and fundraising channels for the future, which will support promotion of the firm's corporate image and enhance liquidity of its securities in the long run. SATS will be holding an EGM on the 18th of January for shareholders to vote on the proposed acquisition of air cargo handler Worldwide Flight Services. The firm does believe that Worldwide Flight Services is the right asset of scale and reach for the company to acquire. The acquisition is expected to cost the company from around $1.8 billion with $800 million raised through a renounceable underwritten rights issue, $700 million through a term loan and $320 million from internal cash. Keppel Corporation subsidiary Keppel O&M secured a $130 million contract for the construction of a 600 megawatt offshore substation which is scheduled for completion in 2025. The project is not expected to have material impact on the group's NTA or EPS for the FY22, and the group believes this will strengthen its position to support growing demand for offshore wind solutions. Quick look at the REITs. ARA Hospitality Trust did propose to acquire a 119-room Hilton-branded hotel property in the US for a total acquisition cost of $30 million US dollars, which is located in the Colorado Springs area, a growing market with consistent demand and the rev par has already exceeded pre-COVID levels. The deal is expected to be completed in the first quarter of 2023. Star Hill Global REIT also agreed to sell its entire beneficial interests in a Tokyo property for 1.88 billion yen, which is equivalent to around 19 million Sing dollars. The sale consideration is a 39% premium to its latest valuation and a 2.9% premium to its acquisition price. The REIT gearing ratio is expected to drop from 36.5% to 36.1% after the divestment if proceeds are used to repay debt. In the week ahead, investors will be paying close attention to the US Consumer Price Index and initial jobless claims on Thursday. This has been Markets Focus from the Business Times. I'm Clarissa Montero with Jeff Howie, Market Strategist at SGX Securities and Yongjun Yuan, Journalist with the Business Times News Desk. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast or, via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. 
SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.